0: What's up? And welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. This is episode seventy-four, and I am here with Tyler tonight. Ryan is basically dead. Um, he's he's had a stomach problem for the past few days. I am okay for now. I could be sick soon. My wife is sick. But I think Tyler's fine over in Boston. The plague hasn't made its way over there, right?
1: Oh, no. I was sick last week, actually. So like I oh, said, so last we're all dying. Week, we, I was in the hospital last week. So, yeah, no, we're all dying. We're all slowly dying anyway. So, I mean, we, you know, I guess <laughs> Some it just the process. No, but I mean, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm, I'm get, definitely getting over the, the being sick there. So uh, definitely, definitely something to avoid at all costs if you can.
0: Yeah, here's a a public service. I go get your flu shot, Uh, not just for yourself, but for everyone else, like the old people and babies that can't get them. Go get your flu shot. Um, It'll (laughs) it'll help you not get sick, hopefully. But uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about. Quite a few things happened since last week. We had a trade. We've demoted some people. We got rid of of a young defenseman who people thought we might keep a hold of because he was performing well
1: jim well, we're Harbaugh finally won a big football game
0: yeah whatever uh <laughs> we're gonna start off though with uh a guy who i now i guess feel real bad for which is evgeny fechnikov so we were uh, the first if you all remember the saga of evgeny this season he was brought up um when we had some injuries. And he sat on the bench and didn't play. He didn't get to play in a couple games for Grand Rapids when he started out a season great. Uh, he started his season in Grand Rapids with four points in three games. And uh, he got called back again. We had another problem. He got called back again. And we're like, man, maybe Svechnikov will get to play. So he got to play. He got in some games. Uh, the only problem once he got in those games was he was only afforded something like seven minutes a night which is not enough. He, he looked good. He was getting chances. He was aggressive on the puck. He was aggressive uh, on the checking. And he just, I mean, he didn't have any points to show for it, but he was being played on the fourth line in most situations. Uh, seven minutes on the fourth line is not going to get you a good look at a guy that you want to be a middle six guy. Uh, just not at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, and yo-yoing a guy like that is just going to ruin him. And like, I mean, at this point, it's like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to just continue to do that to him. Um, but you know what? There's there's always one player, and it, it doesn't matter what team you are. There's one player throughout the league on every team, or at least you know ninety five percent of the teams. That's a yo-yo. You know, they they go here, they go there. They're not wa- They're waiver exempt, so they they can just co- go, come up and down as they please. And so the play, the teams take advantage of that, and uh, so it sucks for the players because imagine you know you're playing in Grand Rapids, and no disrespect to Grand Rapids, but it's not the National Hockey League. Exactly. You're playing in Grand Rapids. You come up to the NHL. You're getting used to the NHL. You got the greatest everything in the world. Then all of a sudden, you're back on bus trips and 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 cheap airfare trips. It's just it's not it's not the same. And now you can only imagine that, especially when you come up to the NHL. And even if you're only playing seven minutes a night, it's better than being in the AHL.
0: It's Yeah, I mean, it's better in the sense that you're playing where you want to play. But I don't think it is better for your development to get that little ice time. Um, you're, I mean, in seven minutes, you're not making much of an impact on anything. You're not playing with... I, I mean, I guess as good of line mates as you could be playing with the, the line they were putting Suchnikov on, and I mean it's it, it's going to suck for him because he knows that he can do it. He's shown that he's got the the skill and the will to do it. He just needs he needed time on say the second line for for more than two minutes for more than three four shifts. He needed he needed the time and the. And I guess the will of the coaching staff to keep him higher in the lineup and to keep him in the lineup for a longer period of time, he just wasn't going to get that. And I think one of the things that came up today was an article. Uh, the title of the article was Why Detroit Red Wings Dashed Evgeny Sveshnikov Dream and Demoted Him. So, again. Again, they did this the second time they've done it. But – Uh, they'll read you the first paragraph. If Kenny Svechnikov had plans to celebrate his birthday with his mom and brother and then realize a dream, the Detroit Red Wings to play at Carolina Friday, which would have afforded Svechnikov the chance to play against their Andre to talk twice a day and are each other's biggest supporters. So, we were going to play Car- Caroline on Friday. He was going to get to play against his brother. He was going to celebrate his birthday with his mom and his brother. And then Jeff Blashell said, you're going back to Grand Rapids. So uh, it's the second child dream that he's broken. Uh, since he's broken, uh, Chalisky's dream to play his home opener last season and put him in the press box, who he also scratched again this past game. But, yep. uh, but it's kind of was a, could be a big thing for Svech. He made plans. He, he kind of felt he might stick in the lineup, and then he sent back. So I, I could see maybe some other send-downs not being as demoralizing as this one because this, this was going to be a big game. This is going to be a big week for him. And it, to Blaschel's credit, he, said he needs to go down and play and have more than 7 to 12 minutes that he's getting up here. He's a great kid. He works hard. He wants to be a player extremely bad. He works at it. So go down and keep doing a really good job. Make sure you're paying attention to detail in your game and find a way to have an impact shift in and shift out. So, again, you're only playing him seven minutes, so it's hard for him to have an impact. But it, I get why he's being sent back down. He's getting sent down to play with guys who who hopefully will be his line mates in the future.
1: Yeah, well, here's what I don't understand, and I'm sure we'll touch on this, or we haven't touched on this yet. But Darren Helm is on the first line of the Detroit Red Wings. He is. Right now. There's a reason. Do you don't think that you don't think that Evgeny Svechnikov could play on that line?
0: I think he could. Uh, the Darren Helm is there is because Darren Helm in hustles his well, cock kind of, but in a very loose, <laughs> loose definition is better defensively uh darren oh, no. helm is no. a better def- which is why and people say why well, is Helm on the first line why'd you move mantha well they moved mantha because blash to that mantha no matter where you move him has not been affected it has not had his scoring chances be affected by his lineup placement it's fine he's a good goal scorer he makes opportunities he scores he scores goals he puts puck in the net could you have tried on a line with Larkin and Bertuzzi a few times? Sure. You could have, but I don't think that's somewhere he would have stuck simply because he doesn't have historical, I guess, defensive numbers to back him up.
1: I, at this point, I mean, I I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if he's going to play in GR and he's going to get, you know, top six minutes, then that's fine. And and if that's what they want to go with, that's fine. But, Jeff Blaschel and and I don't know if it's Steve Eiserman. I don't I can't imagine it is Steve Eiserman at this point. But Jeff Blaschell loves to crush people's dreams. <laughs> we should just start naming him the goddamn dream crusher. I mean, he screwed Cholosky last year up in Vancouver. And then not only did he screw him, but he never played for the Red Wings again the whole year, up until I I believe maybe at the end, a couple yeah. of games. Um that now you have Smetchnikov who is who is dreaming of playing against his brother, and they, they had plans with his, his mom and, and all that, and it's his birthday, and you're going <laughs> to screw the kid on that? Like, I mean, it's just like, does this guy have a heart?
0: No, uh, he's the Grinch. He's the Grinch <laughs> who stole Setschnikoff's He's the Grinch. <laughs> That's what he is. But,
1: <laughs> like... But, no, I mean, seriously, it's just, it's just kind of maddening where you have guys like De La Rose, and not that De La Rose is a bad player, but... Is De La Rose going to be on this team, you know, in two years? No, I don't no, think he's going to be on this team next and year. So, and so, and that's my point. It's like you have placeholders in front and playing in front of guys that, that could have an impact on the team. And and having Smetrikov even play on the third line is better than having him play in the top six in Grand Rapids. I'm sorry. It is. Yeah. I don't care how. You have to learn how to lose in this league. And so, like, it's better to, uh, in some instances, it's better to learn at the AHL level. Like, Zanina and Valeno are probably better off. They're going to they're gonna be a better hockey players when it's all said and done because they ended up playing in the AHL for a little bit L- extra. Now, for Svatchikov, I think he would just, I think he'd benefit from playing in the NHL. He's had honestly. really
0: good AHL seasons. I mean, if you go back and look, uh, in his 2016-2017 AHL season of 74 games played, he had 51 points. That's a very solid AHL season. In 2017, he had uh, 23 points in 57 games, which he admitted was not as great as he wanted it to be. But he has shown, I mean, he took big strides in the AHL. And you were right, he deserves a spot more than some of the people that are currently on the team. But I get trying to have him develop with big minutes with guys he's going to be playing with hopefully in the future. So to me, that makes sense. But to, to go back to Dash Dreams, I mean, once again, Jeff Blashill has benched, uh, benched Dennis Chalowski and what you, I guess, a lot of people are calling a teaching moment. But it's you're playing guys like Trevor Daly over Dennis Chalowski. And that's not I mean, not something I personally would do. Let the kid learn from his mistakes on the ice and coach him into it. Uh, but Again, you're sitting a guy that there's other guys on the ice that, that are making much worse mistakes. And I get that you're probably not going to break a vet and make a vet change his game. And it's easier to do with a rookie. But, I mean, yell at the kid. let the yeah, Review tape with him. Get him in front of uh, – get him – I mean, put a camera in the press box and record a game and let him watch the tape. But keep him in. I Don't leave him out.
1: Uh, speaking of smetchnikov though, did you see um, his brother's goal last night? That was ridiculous. The lacrosse goal? Yeah, that was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Calgary fans are complaining cuz they say there should be a penalty there. Why? Why? Cuz he Sleshing picked up the, the much- goalie or something? Oh god, please. Please.
1: So, can can we get any more babyish in the hockey community nowadays? What is with people? Well, something like that happens and and like okay, if you don't like it I'm going to go on a little rant here. If you don't like it, clamp down defensively. And when you see him do that, you know, whack his stick. Whack at the bottom of his stick. It's not going to be slashing.
0: I think a lot of what it is is people – and it's a lot of people think their team can't do anything wrong and deserve every call and uh, it's – are not – people have a hard time – and I found this a lot in the current state of the Detroit Red Wings, admitting that their team is not good, uh, blaming everyone, but the, the team and nope. it's yeah. And it, it's what happens when you win a lot and then end up losing a game or losing a series or just going on a stretch like the wings just did of eight losses. And you can say, well, it's, it's Jeff Blasher's fault, fire the coach or Man, those moves I have even seen. Man, those moves. Iserman bringing in Nemeth and bringing back Philpla, He's terrible. Why? Why would he do something like that? Well, it's because your entire team's not good. You've you've got like six or seven high end or mid mid to high end NHL talent, and the rest of your guys are fourth liners or belong in the AHL. You got to start blaming the guys. Can't blame Howie for every loss. Can't blame Blashill. For, for every loss, you, you've got to take a good hard look at the state of your roster and and notice that we're in a rebuild. And when Stevie said patience, he knew this was not a good team. So that's what you got to look at. You can't cry every time something doesn't go your way. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, people do. Here's the thing. I mean, we, we can go into this. I mean, this Big is probably topic. more of a summer con. This is probably another topic for another day, or like a summer conversation. But I mean, he should have, could have, would have. You know, Kenny maybe should have. You know, t- tore it down a little bit before. Just started
0: he five did. years
1: earlier. Yeah, or, or even two years earlier. You know, not making that trade for Legwand and and Zdlitsky. or yeah. You know, I mean, th- th- there there should have, could have, would have. But I mean, the way I look at it is like the rebuild started. Last
0: year, I was Yeah, say. officially, they admitted they were rebuilding. Not this past summer, last but the year. summer before.
1: Yeah, the whole thing was rebuild on the fly, which could have worked, but the Red Wings had dug themselves such a hole yep. with such a lack of talent. Bad it contracts. just it, it wasn't it wasn't going to happen. Yep. Yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, but as far as like the rebuild goes, what we said at the end of the last podcast, people just need to really embrace that. And if you don't love the game of hockey, well, it's hard to watch some of these games. It really is. But you know what? If you love the game of hockey and you love the Red yep. Wings, just have a couple beers, sit down and watch the games and enjoy the talent that is on the team and you and don't, know, hope for a yeah, win. Yeah, and
0: don't just watch the game, like it's, really watch the game. Under, start understanding man coverage and zone entry and zone exit and face-offs and start actually – when you start getting into st- statistics and how the game is played, and how plays form, you start to understand more about why this team is not winning a ton. Why this good. team is not good. Instead of saying, "Oh, well, the score was five to two, Howard must have been terrible.
1: Well, no. Okay, let me tell you one other thing. And and now this this is this is just something that I look at personally, and you know most people do. Look at the, two, the, the power plays that are the better power plays in the league. Specialty teams win you games, especially with yeah. how close this league is. Even oh, yeah. though the Wings are, are as bad as they are, the league is close, so the games are close for the most part. Now, look at the Red Wings power play unit. It's bad. The first power play is okay. After that, you don't see a whole lot of opportunities. You see a lot of dump and chase because we don't have skill We have skill on the first power play unit ish, and then that's it.
0: Yeah, I guess all I'm saying is like, don't look at a don't just be a score sheet person. Don't look in. Like I said, if you see five to two, don't say, wow, Howard's terrible. Look at five to two. Look at the shot count. Ask why there were 40 shots on goal, 41 shots on goal. Look at I mean, look at our score two. Why did we only score two goals? Who'd they come from? Oh, they came from Mantha and Larkin. Okay, where is Lions two through four? Why are no defensemen putting pucks on the net? Ask yourself more questions than just immediately hopping on the goalie or hopping on the coach. But we're sidetracking. We're going to bring it back around to why Afghani Svechnikov was sent back to Grand Rapids. And that is because the Detroit Red Wings traded defenseman Alec Regula for uh, left wing Brendan Perlini. Uh, uh, Regula went to the Chicago Blackhawks, Perlini coming to Detroit. Perlini was a uh, first round number 12 overall pick in 2014 by the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going to kind of go through who was picked around him. So before Perlini was Kevin Fiala, Nick Ritchie, Nikolai Ehlers, William Ny- uh, Nylander, Hayden Flurry. after him, uh, Jacob Verana, Julius Honka, Dylan Larkin was picked 15 in that draft, so. Sonny Milano, Travis Sanheim, uh, Alex Tuck. So he was picked in a pretty, where the first, I would say 20, at least 20 players are pretty good. I mean, Tony D'Angelo, uh, he's is a good player with, too. Playing now, and he's this is I think his rookie season. No, second year he played. Second the, year, he's but he's year doing year. very, very well this season so far. So, Perlini has had a rough start. Detroit is his third team. He went from Arizona, to Chicago, but in 200 NHL games, he has 72 points. I mean, people are saying he could be a mid-20 goal scorer. He just hasn't hit it yet because he hasn't got the time. He requested the trade out of Chicago. He he felt he was not being used correctly. And his numbers in the, I mean, he only played one AHL season in 2016, 17, 17 games, 19 points. So in 17 games, he had 14 goals. He proved at the AHL level that he was a goal scorer in even the limited amount of time that he had. But he just hasn't found that touch at the at the NHL. And I'm not sure if it's because of the people he's paired with or because of the playtime he's getting. He just has not been able to break that 20 goal threshold. And he's British. That's the other thing. He's, a, he's uh, <laughs> our first actual uh, player from England since 1936. So, wow.
1: Yeah, it's well, a long time ago. So Brendan Perlini, he came into the league in 16-17, played about 57 games there, had 14 goals and 7 assists for 21 points. So that was Arizona. The best year he's had in his career, he had played 74 games, had 17 goals and 13 assists for 30 points. So 17 goals is nothing really to, to, to you know, write home about. But it's also something that the Red Wings could use which Greg already kind of talked about, which is, you know, depth scoring. Can this guy put the puck in the back of the net? And if he can put the puck in the back of the net, not only does that make you a better team right now, but it also makes you a better team in the future. Because if this guy can, you know, even put 15 goals He's in the, back of the net, He's only 23. Exactly, and that's, that's my other point. You know, 72 points in 200 games, I mean, that doesn't sound great. But he also has 45 goals and 20, 27 assists, so he sort of as a goal scorer. I mean, I wouldn't put him in a huge category, but, I mean, he can put the puck in the net. If, if he's around the net, he's going to score. He From uh, from what I see, too, he's a pretty big guy, 6'3", six, 211, six, two, and he's a lefty. I mean, we have a ton of lefties, but, I mean, still, it, he's another big party. It seems like Steve Eiserman is starting to look for big guys who can really move um I don't recall if Perlini is as fast or what you would call fast um but he can definitely skate and he can definitely put the puck in the net and so I mean as much as Svechnikov is a a high pick that we have well Steve Eisenman brought this guy in and Steve Eisenman wants this guy to play so he wants to see what this guy's gonna look like And, and actually you know something I do too I, I've liked Perlini for the short amount of time that I have seen him play in Arizona. I mean, I watch a lot of the NHL, but, you know, how many how many times are you going to see a third-line player for Arizona? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and Chicago as well. I believe he scored against the Red Wings last year too, oddly enough, when we played Chicago. Who,
0: so Who didn't? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Brendan Perlini is, I guess – with a fresh start and he's played with Dylan Larkin. He was on the bell tire team with Dylan Larkin. And he knows Lark's he works out with um, Trevor Daly in the off season. So um, he's familiar with the team. He said he was a, a Red Wings and Blackhawks fan when he was younger because he lived in Michigan but uh more red wings he said than anything and he said it's just really good getting into the arena getting to play for a team that he watched as a kid getting to play uh, back with larkin again and maybe they can find some some chemistry for him on this team and he's ready to go and he'll play friday uh, against the he'll play against the brother of evgeny feshnikov on friday uh, in carolina but uh I guess what people were up in arms about about the Brendan Perlini trade was that the Red Wings uh, relinquished defenseman Alec Regula, who is currently playing for the London Knights, who has had a pretty good start in 10 games. He has 11 points, four goals, and seven assists. He looked really good in uh, camp in the preseason. But and I guess what, what I would say about that is that you, you know, Iserman drafted like six defensemen in the last draft, and a lot of them are performing exceedingly well against better competition than what Alec or is currently facing. So, I mean, I guess you can look at his his play in the OHL this season and say, man, he could have been a promising middle D guy. I mean, he's never going to be a top pair guy the way he's grading out. Uh, he was a third round pick, number 67 overall in the 2018 draft, but he was he was maybe his ceiling was a, a middle two uh, a bottom four defenseman, but people it kind of rubbed people the wrong way that they got rid of I guess what to them was a familiar name that seemed to be doing well.
1: Yeah, I mean people 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 forget that Eiserman didn't draft this guy.
0: You know, also that he wasn't born yesterday.
1: Well, exactly that too. I mean, but like, the people just they see a name. They see a guy, oh, yeah, you know, this guy was called up on stage. You know, is this a kid that was that was um he's the kid was, of the, Red Wings, dentist, the Red Wings dentist. dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. And so, like, people see that and they're like, oh, wh- why are we doing this? Why are we trading someone that was our guy or whatever? And it's like, you know what? Steve Eisman didn't draft this guy. He has no allegiance to this guy. And he probably scouted the crap out of him and just saw him. And it's like, you know what? No, I don't see it. I really don't see it. And so, you know what? He got a guy that he liked in Brendan Perlini, I'm assuming. And, and you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with trades like this. When you start to look at a team with, um, you know, playoff implications and that kind of thing and, and, and a team that that ends up starting to trend upward, you're going to see moves like this. You're going to see moves like this. You're like, oh, I don't know who Brendan Perlini is. All of a sudden, he's scoring a big goal for you in a Stanley Cup playoff game. You know, yep. and, and so depth wise, it's a it's a big move.
0: And I think what a lot of people aren't taking into account is it's it's mostly a risk free move, too. I mean, Alec yeah. Regula wasn't going to jump into the Red Wings next year. I mean, you're you're trading a guy who's probably going to grade out in twenty twenty one twenty two, 22, maybe, maybe 22, 23 for a guy who's in a jump into your lineup right now, who's 23 years old, who isn't in his prime yet, technically, I mean, I guess forwards really hit their prime at about 25, but you're, you're looking at a guy who's going to play now, who could build some chemistry with your current team. And then when you bring in your guys like Zadina and Valeno and Sider and really start to fill out your roster, you're getting younger. He could, he could pick his game up. We don't know what he could be, but Regula wouldn't have hit the roster for 3 years. And and one of the reasons that it's okay to give up a guy like Alec Regula is like we said we drafted a ton of defensemen. I mean, even look if if you look at it, Jared McIsaac, who was drafted in the same draft as Alec Regula, but he was the second round number 36. He had 62 points in 53 games with with that in 2018. Now he hasn't played this season yet because of his shoulder injury which he had at the middle of last season and still put up 62 points. I mean, you're looking at a guy like that and, and make it above Regula in depth chart. You look at a guy like Albert Johansson, who we just drafted in the second round this past draft, who's playing in the SHL. That's that's the the men's Swedish like elite league. And it, he's got three points in eight games in, a, in a, his first year in a men's league, and he's 18 years old. You've got so Nicholas
1: Lutstrom play yeah,
0: right now. We're at the point where there's eventually going to be a log jam of defensemen in Grand Rapids. There already is one, but there's going to be, there is, there's yeah. going to be a bigger one. So we've got to ship out some of these defensemen who are kind of lower on the totem pole. And I think Alec Regula was just passed up by those, by those three guys we just drafted last year that I mentioned in Johansson, to and Berglund. So, when you drop in the depth chart and we can get a forward now that's going to jump into a lineup that maybe a fresh start's all he needs to start scoring goals you you kind of take that trade
1: yeah i agree i mean like i said it's it's a it's a low risk high reward kind of trade i mean if ragula turns out to be a you know a, a middle pairing nhl defenseman and and you know we end up waving brandon perlini then i mean does it really matter that much
0: no not at all because As Johansson, well, Tuamisto, or Berglund could turn into a middle pairing D I mean, or a top I mean, pairing D.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's not incredibly difficult to to develop a middle pairing defenseman.
0: No. I mean, look who our pairing defensemen are right now. Yeah, I mean, you.
1: Could, if you had, the, let's just put it this way if you had two great defensemen in front there and then you had the rest of the guys that we have now, we could not be a playoff team, but we'd be much, much, much better defensively. If you
0: could. Make a five years ago Trevor Daly out of one of these guys. That's great. There's your middle defenseman.
1: Right. Exactly. So, I, and then then you gotta hope for Cider to be a number one, or at best a number. You know, at worst the number two. Exactly.
0: So I mean, you're not you're not your future for a guy like Brendan Perlini. You can say, "Oh, Alec Ragula. I know that name, so now I'm angry," but. Go look at Jared McKessick. Go look at Johansson, Tuomiso, Berglund. Uh, We've drafted a ton of defensemen this past draft. And, I mean, all of them are the same, if not better, than probably what Regula is going to turn out to be. And we didn't give up any picks. That's the other part of it. No picks. Yeah, we kept all the picks. We traded a, a prospect defenseman for a roster player who is still, like, 23 for Perlini, that's still young. So, I mean, that's a, that's a win. That's a win trade for Steve Eisenman after doing my research because I do my research, and I, I ruled it a win.
1: Because, you know what it is. People see a name, they see a name that they've never heard of, and they're like, oh, this, this must be a terrible trade. Without looking into the stats, without looking into seeing what Ragula's has done, you know, and, and that kind of thing. People are just, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this guy, so he – and then I don't know this guy, so this guy must be terrible. And it's like it's a terrible way of thinking. And I'm starting to wonder, Greg, if some of those same people that are saying the same dumbass shit in the Red Wings Facebook groups there are are the same people that say the same dumbass shit in the Michigan football groups.
0: Uh, could I'm be. starting
1: to think it's the same exact people.
0: Well, so but the, anyways, go ahead. The thing now, the other thing with Perlini is that. Uh, He's kind of now getting rid of the defensive, bringing a forward on without getting rid of a forward is going to create a very interesting situation. So we've got two guys on the Red Wings right now that are eligible to be sent down without waivers, uh, which are Taro Hirose and Christopher N. And when Perlini comes on to the team, I think we will have 24 contracts, which is one too many. Uh, We will actually, depending on what happens. So Luke Glendening has been ruled out for at least a couple weeks. Luke Glendening has a problem with his hand or wrist. He blocked a shot and left the arena in a cast. Uh, Danny DeKaiser, that's a defense problem. Don't have to worry about it really. Either Biego will go down or Hicketts will go back down or Cholowski will get sent to Grand Rapids or something dumb will happen. But, Justin Ablicator is, is where we're looking. So, Adam Ernie came back, which was the reason Giovanni Smith was sent back to Grand Rapids. But uh, they said that Justin Ablicator is close to returning. So, when Justin Ablicator returns, you need to make a move. You need to put N to Grand Rapids. You need to put Hiroshi to Grand Rapids. Or, you, and this is the way out there thinking you waive Justin Ablocator? Like, you waive Jonathan Erickson when he came back from uh, from injury? Or you need to make another trade? So there's going to be a decision coming up fairly well, soon. I'll tell you player. what,
1: Greg, the way Ablocator's been playing, I'm not saying that someone would want him for the whole money that he has, but if you're willing to eat some of that contract, you might be able to get Ablocator out of here.
0: Well, I think you'd have to eat at least two million yeah and, and that's what or i'm saying Or a million and a half, yeah that,
1: that's what i'm saying i mean you'd have to definitely eat some of it for sure but i mean if you could get him out of here and not that he's you know the worst player in the world i like the player actually I, i've always said i like the player i just don't like the contract but if you can get that contract off of the books or at least half of it i mean you're you're in pretty good shape there
0: but, I think it's the term that would scare people. He's thirty two, and he's got. How many got, years does he have left? Uh, through twenty twenty two, twenty three. So he's a UFA in 2023-24. 20, That's this season and three more. That takes him to uh, thirty five, thirty six.
1: Yeah, but if you have, if you eat con- if you eat some contract, well, well, you'd have to do it in in those those the rest of the years there. Yep. So I guess I guess that doesn't really make sense. You'd have but I retain- guess if you were to do it. If you were to do it, let's just say two million, and you're, then you're saving two million. Um, is Justin Abdelkader a bad player at two million a year or two two points. No, he's exactly the is? fourth
0: line player that he is at two, Exactly, two or years. even
1: like a decent third line
0: liner. At a little over two million, yeah. So the other option that I saw too is maybe Iserman's looking at trading Darren Helm with the start that he's had. A Darren Helm right now, Darren Helm has, uh, after this season, one more season on his contract at $3.85 million. So he's, he's a UFA in 2021-22. Could, could you maybe ship Darren Helm a pick for someone, a prospect or something? Not someone that's going to jump into the roster because what you're going to have pretty soon is a roster issue. But Darren Helm right now has five points in 13 games, four goals, and an assist. Now he did uh, cement hands on display again in that win against Edmonton. But How
1: many how many times is he going to miss the net? A lot.
0: I mean, it's, how, oh many teams, how many times is everyone going to miss that? You see no, Trevor it's, it's Daly pathetic. with the wide open net uh, a, a few games ago, and he shot it wide right above the uh, – like not even above the goal, to the right of the goal. Jeez! I I said, "Wow, the pistons left the nets up because that's what it looked like he was aiming for."
1: <laughs> it's good, right? Yeah. I mean, like it, it's there's going to be another issue when when um when Luke Landenin comes back as well.
0: Yeah, so, so it'll be two people. Well,
1: have- this this whole this whole roster glut isn't going away. There, there's no there's no real way around it.
0: Well, the issue happens when two people come back. So that's what I mean. So at, right now they've got twenty two contracts um on the on the roster. They can have twenty three. So if Abby comes back, he can come onto the roster and be fine. It's as soon as the next person comes back, the Dekaiser, the Glendenning. Now the Glendenning's out for a while, Dekaiser could be closer. So when that person comes back, a move needs to be made.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, you know, I guess only time will tell at this point. I don't want to see Cholosky get shipped to Grand Rapids. I don't think that's the way to go. I think I think the way to go is continue, um, you know, growing the young players. And you know what? If that means waving a guy like Justin Abdelkader and, and you know, bringing a guy like Svechnikov up to see what he's got, then that's what that means. I mean, Steve Eisenman has no allegiance to any of these players at all. Nope. That's what people need to realize. I mean, you know, he might know Justin Abdelkader from 2008 because he was there when, when Abdelkader, you know, was on the cup team, barely. Um, he wasn't.
0: He, was, he didn't even touch. He touched the ice for maybe one game, two games. Well, you, No,
1: but he was, he was still on the roster, though. And yeah. That's, that's he sort of he was point. there in spirit. Yeah. Well, you know. But, and that's pretty much it. I mean, who else does he know? He doesn't know anybody. I mean, I guess he knows Dylan Larkin now. At this point, and, you know he's not going to deal with Dylan Larkin. But who else? He has no allegiance to anybody else. Maybe Jimmy Howard.
0: Well, yeah, he he. I think Howard was on the team for a year. I think the year Howard came in was the year Iserman was leaving. Right,
1: two thousand eight, nine, right? Or, or yeah. 2008.
0: 2008, yeah. So really, everyone else. I mean, Jimmy Howard's thirty-five. You find one other 35-year-old on our roster, which is Franz Nielsen and Trevor Daly, who's 36, and neither of them were on the team when Iserman was here. So, literally, Iserman does not have any any allegiance to any of these guys. Maybe Adam of uh,
1: I mean, because he was with them in Tampa? And uh, that
0: would be the only Yeah, well, guy, brought in. He brought in Adam Ernie. So. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, so guys that he's brought in, so he'll he'll have a little bit of, of faith in, in Perlini and a little bit of faith in Ernie because he's traded for them. He'll have a little bit of faith in Nemeth and probably a little faith in... Oh, so Philpah is 35. Philpah was there, too.
1: Oh, yeah, Philpah was even there, I think, when Eisenman was playing.
0: Yeah, so he'll have a little faith in Philpah because he brought them in, but beyond that, I mean, Christopher Renhu. Bye. Bye. Uh, Jacob De La Rose, who? So it's, right. it's yeah, it doesn't, to to him, it's not going to matter, which is extremely refreshing. The other thing that I said is the mystery of what's happening with this team is phenomenal, but it's also going to give me a goddamn heart attack because I don't know what's going. The thing at Iserman is everything is shrouded in secrecy. No words get out. There's no leaks. You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And that's, that's what, I love it and hate it at the same time.
1: Well, it's it's incredibly frustrating because he gives you nothing. He gives you absolutely nothing. And so you're left with, hmm, well, what, what are we going to do?
0: And during you know, interviews, he looks at you like you're an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, He does. he doesn't give you a whole lot. And he's also the type of guy that's going to tell you, Eh, no, we don't have anything going. And then, you know, five minutes before the trade deadline, you're trading for someone that, you know, is is of magnitude. So I don't know. I mean, it's, to me right now, I mean, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's just you got to kind of sit back and relax and let things play out and see what's going to happen with the rebuild and that kind of thing. I mean, he is building towards the future, obviously, you know, but he is also starting to build guys. He's starting to bring guys in that he thinks could be a part of the future as well. Like Adam Ernie and, and and Perlini, not that they're going to be first line wingers or anything like that, but are they, can they be, you know, bottom six guys? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. They're, I think they're hoping for Ernie that he develops into a, a, a middle six guy, second, third line. And, and that he shows that he needed more time just to, just to get going. But I, I think the other thing, if we're looking at, at possible trades and Elliot Friedman brought this, didn't bring it up to, to say this is, this might happen, but he mentioned it in 31 thoughts. The Red Wings thought was that, Hey, uh, in the same vein as talking about trading a guy from another team, uh, Athenasiou has been completely snake bitten. He has not have a goal. He's got a slow start. He's coming up on a, on a contract and last time he came up on a contract, he fought uh, in in contract negotiations to get what he wanted. And could Athens you be traded? And I brought this up on Twitter today, basically saying I, I could see Athens you get traded. I'd, I'd welcome it. It'd be fine, depending on what your return is. And, and what I said is you could probably right now, for the way he's playing, I know he's scored 30 goals, but he... Uh, he hasn't done really anything at all this season so far and he, you could probably get a second rounder and a high prospect for him. So, uh, people came back, uh, wouldn't trade him for anything except for a high prospect and a first round pick. And maybe you'll get that from a team. Who's really close to, to winning a cup. Maybe a Tampa Bay will trade you a first and a prospect for Athens CU or the Caps, or, I mean, look, Landeskog just went down for the abs. They're going to need some scoring. So you may be able to get a first in our prospect for Athenasiou, and Athanasiu is a piece that, that I'd be willing to deal.
1: I also would like to see them potentially, I mean, see, and the hope is, you know, that he starts to play well, and since Steve Eisenman has no allegiance to him, and like he, like he, like you said, he fought tooth and nail, Uh, last time and even sat out a little bit that um, you know hopefully he starts playing well and then he can ship his ass out and maybe even get like a defenseman that that could be you know not a stalwart but someone that's going to be be here um, you know for the here and the now and in the future as well
0: yeah I think I've kind of hopped off the defenseman train as far as that to to be targeting that in trades because of how our our rookies are doing and because of the the Logjam in Grand Rapids, and because we know we're not going to be good this year, that I think if you could trade Sioux for, say, a, a high quality scoring prospect, scoring winger, that maybe is a, a year out from from making the roster, but the team that that wants to win now doesn't really care that they're a year out from making the roster because they try, they think they can win this year. Then I'd be okay with that. Now, what I like to get a top pairing defenseman or a stud d prospect yes but i don't think anyone's trading their stud d prospects
1: yeah that's that's the problem i mean it's it's so hard defensemen are so hard to come by and then you know when you get a guy like victor hedman you have to get him first overall or you know i mean there are the rare cases of the drew Dowdies and the shea weber's that you know you get later oh actually shea weber was a lottery pick but Drew Doughty was, was a lower pick. And then you have guys like Roman Yossi. You know, I mean, Roman Yossi, is he, is there a more underrated defenseman in the whole league?
0: No, I thought he just got super paid.
1: Right. I mean, you know what, though? I mean, you take the good with the bad with that. Um, but here's the, th- here's the thing with defensemen. They're so hard to come by. And then when you get one, you got to lock it up. And, 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 you know, it's they don't get away very often. The only The only shot you have... Is to either draft or develop one, or give up a a, a haul for a, you know a proven defenseman, and you're not getting a number one defenseman. No team's trading that away.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get a guy like I mean, you're not you're not, probably not even going to get a number two defenseman. A lot of people aren't trading that away. Like you're not going to get a guy like a Noah Dobson for no. for Athens, like Noah Dobson and a pick for Athens, CU. Maybe you can try and fleece someone like the Leafs out of Timothy Lilgren. if the Leafs really think they're going to win. I mean, they kind of have to, right? The Leafs have to win the season.
1: Yeah, they're playing horrendous. And did you see what Ovechkin said No, last I night? did not. He said that that if they want to win the Cup, they have to change the way they play.
0: He said that about the that's Leafs. That's on Mike
1: Babcock. Yeah, that's on Mike Babcock.
0: Yeah, well, people are calling to... to bring babcock back to detroit and i said you guys are real. yeah well mike
1: babcock mike babcock i'm telling you right now that, mark my words i don't know if this will happen but this is my prediction and and i kind of had a thought this morning mike babcock might m- might not make it to christmas time
0: mm, i don't think so i think he's there i don't know i think he's there for I a while I, I think he's been cemented by dubas's kind of stop telling us that babcock needs to be fired he's not getting fired i think he's a lot safer than people think that he is
1: i'll tell you what if they continue to sputter i
0: wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't put it well who are are they gonna bring in what are they gonna do
1: they like their ahl coach a lot i don't know if that makes a lot of sense right now but i mean they gotta do something the fans are gonna go insane you know, that fan base can get, you know, evil throwing jerseys on the ice and that kind of stuff. It can get get bad. It can be fired Babcock chants and everything. I mean, it can get really bad. So, I mean, I don't anticipate it happening. I'm just saying if things start getting worse and worse, I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't rule it totally out. Now,
0: could you trade maybe, I guess, depending on how the Oilers think they're doing? Could you get a guy like Evan Bouchard from the Oilers? Or could you get a guy like, uh calfoot from tampa that would that would be interesting i guess those are the only high quality defensemen that i i might target i can't really think you're not getting like Rasm- rasmus sandin you're not getting from toronto
1: no you have to create you have to create those on your own you have to draft those guys yeah so so your you're
0: probably looking at uh maybe you can get a high quality winger And if a team's really desperate, you might be able to get a first round pick for you. I just don't see teams biting at at a first and a prospect for for double A at the way he's playing now. I just I can't see happening. And people say Snake, he's getting a ton of chances. Well, yeah, he's getting a lot of chances, but he's not shown finish like a breakaway with no finish or a wide open net with no finish. It's just it's not happening. So I think the last thing that we were going to talk about is that win over Edmonton that we had was Tuesday.
1: That was the last night. Yes.
0: And it was, I mean, a solid effort. They came out a little slow in the first, but the second and third, they played great. And I said, if they keep playing in the third, like they played in the second, they'll probably win the game. And I mean, full marks to Dylan Larkin, who just destroyed that. He made that game. His bitch, <laughs> uh, he shut down Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid the entire night, like completely. Yeah, he did,
1: and 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 you know what? I mean that that four on three kill that they had against Edmonton was unreal. I thought I, I was like, oh god, <laughs> oh shit, we're fucked. Yeah, here, here comes
0: two goals. That's like, it's like <laughs> even with even with a minute and like ten seconds left, I'm like, watch Edmonton score three in a minute.
1: Yeah. Yep. And, and you know what? I'll tell you what. McDavid and Drysdale, those dudes are on another level right now. And you know, but it's a credit to the the way Dylan Larkin was playing. You know, he killed that not by himself. You know, he he had a couple of good blocks there, a couple of good uh, sticks in the lane. And you know, that's that's a great thing. You see a guy like Dylan Larkin racing ahead with Connor McDavid. You know, catching him. You know, you don't see very many players in the whole league catching. No, and Connor that McDavid. catches
0: Connor McDavid completely off guard too, because he's not used to people being able to keep up with him. He's used to just being able to skate around people and drive the net. But Dylan Larkin in 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 previous games it's been the same way. Dylan Larkin has pretty much always shut down Connor McDavid. And, and not really let him get away with what he can normally get away with. And that's what the top line, our top line, has been good at this season, is shutting down opposing top lines. The problem is is right now Edmonton's team, their stats look eerily similar to our team's stats because they also have like little to no secondary scoring. And that was the battle of, I guess, that game you could call it the battle of whose top line is going to perform better. And our top line just performed better, and Jimmy Howard beat whatever their goalie's name is now.
1: Mikko Koskinen. That's yeah, him. Last
0: night. Yeah, Jimmy Howard just played a little better than Koskinen did. So uh, it it was really nice to see. I guess our top line come out and and beat one of the best top lines in in the NHL right now with how James Neal's playing, which is insane.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to think about that James Neal. You know, was terrible with Calgary last year. Didn't really get along with Bill Peters. And, you know, now he's he's ripping up the NHL.
0: Yeah. At his age, (laughs) too. And I think what's going to happen is there was a clause in the Neal trade that if Neal scored like or had like 20 more points or something than Milan Lucic. Uh, that they would have to get, like, Edmonton would have to give Calgary a third-round or something. It looks like that might actually happen. So I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at how Lucic is doing, but I assume it's not good.
1: Uh, yeah, I have not heard a whole lot of Milan Lucic.
0: Yeah, Milan Lucic,
1: like, at all. Three
0: in 14 games, and they're all assists. So, yeah, not not good at all.
1: So so the other thing about that game that that kind of struck me a little bit was like Jimmy Howard played really good. He
0: Yeah, and I mean Jimmy Howard's been playing good. A lot of the five-goal games you you don't have a lot to blame Howard on. A lot of it is bad defense, very well-placed shots, heavy screens just not a lot of chance. It's a lot of uh, hanging a goalie up to dry. Now, he has yeah. had in a couple soft goals or a few soft goals. Of course, and every goalie will. Every goalie does, yeah. But, Jimmy, how – when you're – like we said, I think, the past two podcasts, when you're letting 35, 40 shots on net every night, the results are not going to go your way most times because you're not scoring. Yeah, I mean
1: – and and that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, people don't people don't understand that, and people just look at the box score. Oh yeah, we must have played terrible. The goalie must have been terrible. No, I mean like actually watch the game. The, don't just look at the box score and then make a comment. You know, uh, pe- people. Th- that's a society we live in. Instead of you know sitting down and watching the the game, people look at the box score. Oh yeah, no, they were they were terrible. The goalie must have been terrible. The, you know, and then they don't take into account how many shots were faced and like. You know that kind of stuff, and you know, let's not even go go into the uh, advanced analytics, but it's just it's frustrating, it's maddening. But I mean, it is what it is, you know.
0: To Howie's credit, I mean, he got second star of the game. Bill Lakhman got the first star, Koskinen got third star. So it's it was kind of I guess they would have considered a goalie duel. Um, because at the it's, end, I think that Edmonton ended up coming back it, like, through two periods. They only had like 16 shots on net, which is actually really impressive because shot suppression is something we've been really bad at for like the past 10 games. But it, they didn't to, to the Wings credit. The defense was not amazing, but better. Our, our defense was better than it has been. I mean they brought in Joe Hicketts and Sat Chalowski, and, and am I gonna say that's what fixed it? No. But there was better defense and just our top line was played shut down hockey for all three periods. And the the second through fourth line got their chances and they were able to keep up. So that's I mean, that's the kind of hockey if they wanna win they need to play that hockey every night. But you also have to remember that Edmonton is also on a slide they've lost four out of five games so they're not doing too well
1: they're coming they're coming back to life a little bit or i mean they're coming back to earth a little bit and which was expected you know they got off to a you know blasting hot hot start and uh you know eventually they were going to come back down to earth a little bit anyways i i still think they might be a playoff team but you know it's early still um I'll tell you one thing. Then the one takeaway that I had from that game, Athens see CU man. I mean, I know we were talking about him a little bit ago, but in this particular game, is there a guy that passes up more shots?
0: No, no. Is there a guy that turns the puck over more?
1: I mean, there was one turnover that was like, it almost led to the tying goal. It was brutal. It was an absolute brutal turnover. It was right in front of the net. And like, I, I don't know if it was McDavid or Drysdale, but one of them. I, and it wasn't on that penalty kill. He was just, like, behind the net in the corner and just, like, flipped it, like, to the middle. It's like, dude, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, I think part and, of it is that his confidence is completely is shot gone. Right Yeah, now. and
1: Mickey, Mickey Redmond was talking about that last night. Like, there was, like, a three-on-two or a two-on-one where he passed the puck over instead of shooting it, and he's like, well, you know, he's got to shoot the puck there. He goes, uh, he goes, his confidence must be lacking there. And like, you know, you're so right with that. It, when you don't have confidence in hockey, it, it's it's almost like hot potato. Yeah. You know, um, i oh, tell you, it's if, almost if, like hot potato where you just want to get rid of it because you, you don't want to make a mistake.
0: Athens, CU and Nielsen during that game would have had a two on one. I don't think the, anyone would have shot the puck. It would have just been back and forth forever the same with I think
1: it might have been Athanasiu of Philpola. That's what I think it was.
0: Well, the, yeah, that's a well no, the the one was uh I think it was a breakaway. Was that breakaway Hellman Philpola? Oh god. There was a 2 on 1 that was just like I even tweeted on like this is literally the worst pairing you could ever have for a 2 on 1. Like no one's going to score. So, but it was in mean, overall it was a good game and it was fun to watch and we came out with a win but if we could just keep on that roll of eight losses, one win, eight losses, one win, i mean we'll end up with a great draft pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, i mean, you know, unfortunately that's that's kind of the situation we're in, you know, and and this at this point this this starts to test your your fandom. Are you really a fan of the team? Are you going to going to stick with the team through thick and thin or are you going to be one of those fans that, you know, checks the box score and then eventually when the team becomes good, oh yeah, i'm a huge Red Wings fan. But yeah, bandwagon. Ba- well, yeah, when the team was bad, I didn't really watch a lot. Well, you know what? That doesn't really consider yourself a fan of the team.
0: Yeah, but I think we're gonna wrap tonight. Let's get your final thoughts, and uh, we'll close this one out.
1: Well, my final thoughts are, um, you know, last night looked good. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Was it tomorrow night or is it Friday night? Friday, against Carolina. Friday against
0: Carolina.
1: Yeah, Friday night against Carolina. We'll see what happens. Um, ryan hopefully you get better hopefully you're on the podcast next week if not we have a huge problem i suppose right yeah well but next, you can week's, follow,
0: next week's the important one
1: so no, that's right that's right well um you can follow me on twitter at seal dog 91
0: yeah my final thoughts are going to be make sure you tune in next week uh we will be uh talking with none other than mr grindline himself darren mccarty uh where we have a Great set of questions lined up for him. We took some from our our fans on Twitter today. Uh, we'll be spending an hour, maybe more, talking to him about the current team, about his off ice stuff, uh, about his his Stanley Cup days, and we've got a really good uh, show coming up next week with Darren McCarty. Uh, you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our podcast on all the major podcast networks. If we are not there, let me know. I will get us there. You can also save 10% on your online order at Howie'sHockeyTape.com for any of your hockey supplies by using promo code GRINDLINE at checkout. But I think that'll do it for us tonight. So for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.